right, everybody, welcome into the first episode of The Shot Show in a long time. Uh, we, uh, we've been pretty darn busy with the classes and everything going on starting the new semester, but we're glad you've stuck around, we're glad you're back, and The, the Shot Show will become a regular thing in your lives soon enough. But tonight, we're uh, going to jump into a basketball special episode. My name is Curtis, I'm going to be your host tonight, joined by... Josh. And Jordan. So let's jump into it, guys. We'll start on the men's side. Um, you know, a, a little bit disappointing as it stands currently. They've got a lot of wins against teams in, in lower divisions. We had, you know, all the excitement and all the hype of the victory over South Carolina. And over the past couple of weeks since then, it has slowly faded into kind of, like I said earlier, a disappointing season. Yeah, I've been a little disappointed. Like you said, the way they opened this season, we're thinking – 22 23 wins plus we beat south carolina they're a better team than anybody that was left on our schedule and we've had some struggles that we thought we were going to have i think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves in the moment this is record wise about where i thought we would be and i think where we all thought we would be but we've shown the struggles of having a new team inexperienced team and it's been the only word i can use to describe it is inconsistent yeah, I, I feel like we, we're going to win a little bit more games than what we we're at now. I mean, 11 and 8, not, it's not terrible, but it's not good either. It's kind of like in the middle. But I think it all started when we were after the Emory and Henry game, when we started to get into a conference play, and we lost by 10 to Troy. Then the South Alabama game got canceled there. And then we had two tough uh, losses to our rival Appalachian State. And it's just – like you said, a lot of inconsistency. You know, we get great performances from one player, and then the next time we get out, get out there and play, we won't really get another good showing from other players to help them out. So it's it's really tough. But I'm I think that this win, these two wins in Georgia, getting those wins against Georgia Southern and Georgia State, I think those are going to help us out going down the road and getting into more of our games. But I think that we can definitely do a lot better than what we've been doing. Yeah, I think those two wins in Georgia are really important just because it got you, A, it got you back into, into winning ways, which hadn't happened for a while. Like you said, we had that victory over D2, Emory, and Henry. But with that game sandwiched in between, we lost four straight conference games. We lost a game to Louisiana on New Year's Day, a team that came into the HTC Center missing most of their bench missing their head coach due to a COVID outbreak, and they still beat us. Now it was a last-second victory. Jordan Brown is, is insane. That kid is probably going to win Sunbelt Player of the Year. But they they lost to Troy following that. They lost both games to Appalachian State. Like, those hurt. But you get these victories in Georgia, and now you head into an easier part of your schedule. You know, looking at, at the net rankings and some other things, Little Rock is pretty far down the net rankings. UT Arlington is is almost basement bottom team in the Sun Belt. Georgia Southern and Georgia State are not great teams. You've got to play them again at home. South Alabama's the best team in the Sun Belt. You've had one game canceled, but at least the game that, that you have against them is at home. And then you've got Troy and, and Little Rock again. And, and Arkansas State is in there twice as well, who's not good either. So you've got a couple of games that are, that are probably up in the air, questionable in Texas State and in South Alabama. But the rest of them, you really should be winning. These are games where your team and your talent should shine through. 
where the other team shouldn't. You know, you should be able to get Vince Cole open from three. You should be able to get Esam dominating in the post. And you can wrap up this season with a really good record and go into the Sun Belt Tournament as maybe the second or third seed, which is something that we were expecting from the start of the season. Yeah, if you look at the past four games, we really could be 4-0 in those past four games. It was absolutely heartbreaking to lose at App State and then come home and obviously Vince Cole missed two free throws that would have iced the game for us. He would have won the game. We ended up losing in overtime. But then we come and it was we lost at home and then we had to go on the road for two games against Georgia State performs better in the computer numbers than their record shows. They're right around us in the computers. But to win both of those games, both close games, we won a four-point game, and then we won in overtime against Georgia State, which is two, two games before that we lost close games. So it was good to see us learn from that and be able to win close games because we're going to be in a lot of those down the stretch, and especially in, in the Sun Belt Tournament. But I think we have to win the next two games at home. We got Little Rock, who's pretty bad, like you said. Arkansas State's pretty decent, but we got to win at home, have a four-game winning streak going into our little road trip, and really set the momentum up for the rest of the season. Yeah, we got to we got to we got to defend home court. Yeah, that's that's the main thing when it comes to these late push, trying to make a run in the Sun Belt Championship tournament game. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna take home games. We're, we're gonna need more um, from our starters, and not just our starters, but our bench play as well. You know, we get into situations where Esam is is not really getting the rest that he needs. We got other big pla- big time players on the bench that can come on the bench and you know relieve him so he can get a little bit of a break. We got other players that needs to step up when their time is uh, being called. So, yeah, these two wins, these two games coming up at home at HGC Center are must wins. That would be huge for us. We be we'd have 13 wins on a year. And like you said, Curtis, this is the latter part of the the schedule going out. So I think that we could actually, if it's played the right way, and this is really going to tell how good this team is going to be going down the stretch. Because we at first it started out really good, but now we're going to try to see how we can finish out. So if they can come together and play the way that we know that we could, they can play, they'll have a good shot of um, getting a really good seed going into that Sun Belt uh, tournament. Yeah, and as much as, you know, the people that are in charge of, of the postseason tournaments, like, oh, we look at the whole season. If you come at, at the end of the regular season in your conference tournament, and, you know, you win the Sun Belt tournament, you're automatically in. But, you know, the, the people at the NIT and, and the uh, March Madness Committee, the last three weeks are really what they look at. And you're now at that stretch of the season. You're into the last month. And if Coastal Carolina can put in a lot of wins here, look good doing it, You've got an outside chance at the tournament. Do I think it's going to happen without winning the Sun Belt tournament? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I think they have, you know, they don't have a lot of quality wins, if any, really. Um, they don't have any real quality losses either. The schedule's been very, very weak this season. And so you're relying on your record itself to get you in, and I don't think it's good enough. However, you roll up a bunch of wins here. You get to the Sun Belt Tournament Championship. You know, you do those things. And the NIT is definitely on the schedule, definitely on the plate for them to, to get in and, and make a run in that tournament, which is exciting. But moving on a little bit to the players themselves, what's a player that has stood out to you this season? You know, let's, let's start with the good first. Who is your midseason MVP? My midseason MVP is definitely Vince Cole, but that's not really where I want to go with this because I think one of you guys will have him as well. I'm going to talk about Josh Duje. He's been absolutely fantastic 
only averaging seven and a half points a game, 20 minutes a game off the bench, but he's been a real spark plug. And when he plays, he provides big minutes for us. He's shooting 47%. He can hit the three. He's can provide a spark with a couple dunks here and there. And as a true freshman, I'm really excited about him. And there's times where I watch him and I go, he's way too good to be playing in the Sun Belt and that Coastal. Like I've said that multiple times the last few weeks, but he's really stepped up and really been a surprise. And if we can keep him, he's going to be one of the best guards that's ever come through Coastal Carolina. Well, I'm, I want to say Vince Cole too, because Vince Cole, <laughs> I mean, he's been doing great all year, but I, this might surprise you guys. I'm going to say Rudy Williams, because yep. Rudy Williams, Rudy Williams, I think he's the third leading scorer on the team right now, and he's just, he's just a bucket getter. This guy... Averaging um, 13 points a game, he's come. He's made so many great plays yeah. up to right now, and you know he's had that. He had that great game against Winthrop with that 30 point game, and you know he's played well. He played. He's played well against the top competition this whole year. So I can't really say much more about. He's just been doing really great things, and you know. The season's not over yet, but if he can continue to keep back, if he can get back to the way he played against South Carolina and Winthrop, we actually have a shot of actually going, and if everybody else is clicking, we could actually get to the championship down in Vince Cole. I really believe we can, but, yeah, Vince Cole for sure. Yeah, I'm going to go Vince Cole for my midseason MVP, but I want to focus on first before all three of us jump into into Vince Cole. Uh, Esau Mustafa deserves all the love and praise for this team. You know, he is – fantastic at what he does he is a post dominator he is averaging nine rebounds a game 15 points in 29 minutes like this is a guy that is plug and play you know he's shooting 53 percent from the field he is he's an amazing player and we're lucky to have him at coastal you know he's he's one of the leaders of the team and I think he deserves a shout out but Vince Cole is is my midseason MVP so far it seems like every time he comes onto the floor there's a different attitude and a different tempo and a different mindset with the team to where we're going to score, we're going to dominate, we're going to win. And, you know, it, it really feels like the success of Coastal Carolina runs through number 24. Yeah, and he's one of the crazy stats from the past. He's really turned it on the past 10 games. He's scored 15 or more points in nine out of the last 10, and the other one he still had double digits. He's been an absolute rock for us. He's a, pretty much a shoo-in to get around 20 points, and you know you're going to get 20 points from him, and then it's just about finding the other guys to kind of fill that in. He's been more than I've expected in terms of his what he brings on the court. The stats are about where I thought he would be, but not the way he's been doing it. He's, like we were talking earlier, you can never speed him up. He moves at his own pace every time. He gets to his spot on the floor, and he's just going to beat you his way, and he's not going to play to how you want him to. And he missed out those late-game free throws against App State, and what was he doing right after the game for an hour plus? He was shooting free throws. He took that on himself. He's more of a leader than I thought he was going to be. He's been amazing, and I don't think we can say enough good things about him so far. We we definitely got a good one when he decided yeah. to come down from St. John's, I can tell you. But, yeah, he's the one thing that points out to me uh, when I look at his stats, he's shooting 40% from the three-point line. That is impressive for him to come in, new environment. Guy was balling at Madison Square Garden. Now, I mean, he's down here at the HTC Center, but, yeah. hey, I mean, he's balling. I mean, this guy, he reminds me, his game so much reminds me of, 
you guys might think I'm crazy, but I see I see a little bit of PG in him. I see a little bit of PG thirteen in him. He, he PG does the same thing. He takes his time when he needs to get to his spots. He knows how to get to his spot. He can get there whenever he can pull up. He has a crazy mid range yeah. as well. Yes. And I just need if he he's doing everything he can for this team, and if we can get more consistency, like Josh said, we got a big three really yep. with Mustafa, Rudy Williams, and Vince Cole. So if we can get more from everybody else yep. and get some more production from the bench play. I'm telling you guys, when we're on our game, nobody can really hang with us or beat us. I'm telling you, this is how good this team can be. Yeah, I think talent-wise, I mean, if you look at that big three, we, we rank probably top 60, top 70 in the entire country. Yeah. We rank right up there. Like we said, Rudy and Vince were from Power 5 schools, Power 6 schools with the Big East. And then Isam, he could have played any of those. He turned down offers from all those big schools, high three-star recruit. And, yeah, but Vince Cole, I mean, from – Coming from Madison Square Garden to play in one of the other meccas of college basketball, the HTC Center, I mean, he's been fantastic. But one guy I do want to mention is Abrima Diva has been crucial to especially Vince Cole's success with those catch-and-shoot mid-ranges. Abrima Diva is 11th in the nation in assists at 6.2 a game, and he's only half an assist separated from the third place, and that's a Kentucky player. So he's been fantastic in getting those guys the ball. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we're going to get Garrett Green back soon from yep. a suspension. Um, you know, that's that's a, a paperwork suspension, which is the most frustrating thing. It, it has nothing to do with the guy's character or anything like that. This is an awesome guy and, and just a stupid administrative BS suspension. So when he comes back, you're better. The problem is, and the problem that, that this team has, and it's, a lot of this conversation has, has been around it, is beyond your top six – you know, we'll throw Garrett Green in there. You're not getting a lot. You're really not getting a lot off the bench. You know, Lakai is throwing in six points a game, averaging 21 minutes. You know, that's not terrible. Um, but, you know, you, you, you're you not getting a lot beyond him. You're getting Isaac Hippolyte is coming in for nine minutes a game, giving you two points. Deshaun Thomas, who's a transfer from a Power 5 school in LSU, you thought this would be your, your relief pitcher for Esau Mustafa, and he's very much not. You're getting six minutes, and you're getting two points. And Kevin Williamson, yeah. who's a guy that, that we all really like, that we thought was going to do some big things this year, potentially be your sixth man, where you know now Josh Uduje has taken that spot. You're only getting 10 minutes a night out of him and 1.8 points. Like you're, you're getting next to nothing off of your bench, which is really concerning headed down the road where you're going to need those guys to step up. You're, you can't keep playing six players a night. No, and I one guy, like we mentioned, Kevin Williamson, no idea what's happened with that, if it's a coaching preference or something. I've seen that man in practice hit 40 straight threes. He's an absolute sniper. Amard Harvey is a guy that's really puzzling to us. We don't know if he's redshirted or not. He sometimes doesn't dress. He's Last year from Washington, the past couple of years, he's an absolute beast on the court. He's about 6'10", 6'11". He's athletic as hell, and he can really pump up the HTC Center with a couple of dunks, which is we don't really have a lot of dunkers on this team. I mean, Vince Cole will occasionally throw down some, like, honestly, weak two-hand jam. Yuje's yeah. got the most bounce on the team. Yeah, Garrett Green's not bad Esam either. never dunks. No. Garrett Green can dunk, but... That, we don't have a lot of – Rudy's the most flashy player on the team, and he does step-backs, ankle-breakers. Right. But Amard Harvey's some guy that I would really like to see play more, and I don't know what's going on with that. But uh, we have a roster. I mean, it's not that. We have the depth. It's just 
they don't play or play the way together that they should. Right. Know. And and to, to build off of your point on Harvey, he's only played in five games this season. It's not even a question of like him not playing well when he does. He just doesn't play, period. And and it's concerning to when, you know, you look at the stat line, we've played nineteen games this season, and you've got basically four guys on the bench. You've got Lakai, who's played in all 19. You've got Hippolyte, who's played in 16. Thomas, who's played in 15. And Williamson, who's played in 14. Now, they're not playing a lot in those games, but that's only four guys on your bench that you're bringing off. So you're telling me this team – well, I guess technically this team is, is, is 10 people deep. But it's really seven. But it's really seven yeah. at most, and that's with Garrett Green back on the team, back from suspension. So, you know, that's really, really concerning going down the stretch. But – Who's a player on the bench that you're looking to uh, get more production out of and, and get something in at the end of the season to help us out? I like I want Will Akai, Will Akai to get more. I, I, I like to call him Fly Akai after that putback slam he had over South Carolina. I like if he doesn't have a nickname, let's just let's try to get him. Let's try to get him an nil with the Fly Akai. I like that. I like that a lot. But yeah, I want to I want to see more out of him. I, I like I like his game a lot. You know, he, he shoots it like Larry Bird over his head. He's just when he's shooting threes and stuff, he can make those threes. I think that's a guy that can get you at least maybe, if I had to guess, probably about 12 or 13. But he can get you more than that as well. But we've seen flashes of him this year mm-hmm. um, at the game and stuff. And I'm I'm a big fan of Deshaun Thomas. I think this guy, he's a freaking beast. This guy is humongous. Like, I don't get how he's not getting more playing time and more point production than what he has now. But those are two guys, I think if those two could get in with the starters production, I think we could actually get a lot more points in our per-game average. I really do believe that. Yeah, and and the guard play on this team is really good. Mm -hmm. Like, let's not – this isn't a shot at the guards by me saying this. But you need to have two bigs on the floor to give more room to Mustafa. Even if it's only for, you know, 15, 17 minutes a night – if you can get some more production out of Hippolyte and have him play the five and give Mustafa the four, you open up so much more space for Mustafa and, and you don't have the two bigs from the other team guarding one of yours. And I know that you know there's all these matchup things and, oh, we're going to go one big, four small, and then they're going to have to adjust to it, well, whatever. But I think if you can get two bigs that have quality and have competitiveness, and I think Hippolyte gives you that, then you can open up the floor a lot more for Mustafa and you'll open up channels where, you know, a guard is going to have to come down and help on Mustafa because the four can't handle him, you know, and then Cole's open in the corner, Rudy's open at, at the elbow, Deba's open at the free throw line. And, and it really helps you create space and create points. And I think, you know, looking at, at big number 15 in, in Isaac Hippolyte, I think that's that's where you need more production and need more you know, from them. Yeah, and I, I think Isaac Hippolyte is – and he's been playing more. Sometimes Esam has games where he gets double teamed and he gets fouled out and he gets frustrated, and then Hippolyte has to come in and play. And he's shown flashes. I'd like to see him be more aggressive in the post. But, yeah, we need more big production. That's why I think it's kind of puzzling that Harvey hasn't played. But I'd like to see Thomas and Hippolyte get a more regular rotation spot. Because they truly, really only play when Esam is out. We yeah. run four guards unless Esam's out. Like, yeah, when Esam hits three fouls, then those guys finally right. come off the bench. And it, it, you can't 
do that. It's not sustainable. I mean, Mustafa's averaging nearly 30 minutes a night. He's at 29.3. You've got to get that guy in those 29 minutes, 10 of them at minimum should be with a second big. And yeah. then you reduce that number down to 26 or 25, and then come tourney time, Sunbelt tournament, he's a lot more fresh, he's a lot more available, and you get the Mustafa that we saw at the beginning of this season that was 17 boards and 25 points. Yeah, and like you mentioned, we've watched pretty much every game now, and Thomas and Hippolyte have no idea when they're even going to come into the game. They have no rotation. The rotation seems a little odd. It seems very game-oriented, and I don't know what the what the deal is behind that, but they will sit on the game sometimes for 35 minutes without playing, and sometimes they'll get in five minutes of the game. So it's really hard for those guys to get a rhythm and a game feel when they don't know if they're going to play at all even. It's either a blowout. They're either getting in whether we're blowing the right. teams out or – we're getting blown out ourselves. But sometimes they get in in crucial minutes when Esam's fouled out yeah. and they haven't played in 30 minutes. And, and right. He, and he makes a point, though, because you have to make sure that you're fresh and ready to go, but you can't do that when you got seven or six minutes left in the second half. You haven't been in all day. The only time you get uh, reps in is during warm-ups. Yeah. You, you can't have that. Well, and at that point, the warm-up is useless, right? You've been yeah. on the bench yeah. for damn near a half hour yeah, you're cold you're cold you're, there's no there's no amount of going and hitting the stationary bike that's going to get you ready to come in you're you're going to be cold and then you're relied on for the last five minutes of the game because mustafa's fought out how can you expect them to a replace the player that mustafa is because he's incredible and b to even be the player that they can be they're cold they're ice cold coming off the bench and and now you're you know, here you go, kid, finish out this game for it, win it for us, because Mustafa fouled out. You can't do that to those guys. Yeah. And so that's why I think the rotation really, really needs to be fixed. You need to get Thomas and Hippolyte in the game a lot more. And you need to address Ahmad Harvey. Harvey, at the very least, give yourself more options. Yeah, and if you look at looking at Hippolyte's last game spreads, he played one minute against ULL, and then against App State two days before he played seven minutes, and then the next night plays 20 minutes in an overtime game simply because of Isam yep. being in foul trouble. Yep. And all of a sudden, he's playing, and he's our center in overtime, and the minutes leading up to that, and he hasn't played all game, all those minutes were in the second half. That's just, you can't do that. Teams are picking up on this, too. Yeah. Like Teams are looking to see, they know we're only playing like our starting five and maybe one or two off the bench. They know that. So that why you think they're, they're doing their homework and trying so hard to get Isan fouled out of the game? Yep. Because they know that if they can get him out of the game. We don't have a plan. We don't have a plan because he's our plan A. He's our plan A, B, and C yeah, pretty is much. the problem. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, you know, teams are eventually going to pick up on the fact that a, we don't have, have a, ba- a big man rotation, and B, we don't have a rotation, period, really. And so why not full-court press Coastal at the start of the game? Why not wear out Debo? Why not wear out, you know, Yuduje uh, and Williams and Cole? There aren't guards that can come in in the second half and, and give them a breather. Beat the living hell out of Coastal in the first half. And you've probably won because in the second half they're exhausted because their bench is two players deep. And it's a problem. It's really a problem. And, and, you know, I don't know that there's a midseason fix. I don't know that there's, you know, you're not going to find some kid on campus that's seven foot tall to just like, hey, kid, let's go, you know. Gerard Clark. Yeah, right. Well, you know. (laughs) But, like, there's just, 
you've got to utilize the players that you have at your disposal a lot better than this coaching staff currently is. And, and, and you know, we'll see. We're excited for what's to come. You know, I know we got real negative there for a bit, but we're still excited. Like I said, you're headed into a lot easier part of your schedule, and then you're off to Pensacola for the Sun Belt Tournament. And once you're there, it's the tournament. Who knows? You could right. lose in the first round to some garbage team, or you could make some miracle run, become champions, and then we're off to our the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2015. 2015. Yep. Yeah, 2015. So, yeah, so that, that, you know, it could go either way, but I think – you know, we talked about it at length. There's there's a lot of things that we would do if we were in Coach Ellis's <laughs> shoes that, you know, we're talking big game and he's got 800 more wins than any of us. So, <laughs> But uh, let's move on to uh, really the surprise of, of the winter season, the women's basketball yes, team. You know, we talked in our pregame episode about this team could win one game this season and we'd be okay with it. As long as they showed development and as long as they showed promise going into next year. Yeah, you do. Scratch that. Um, They're real damn good. (laughs) (laughs) They have 12 wins already. They're 12 and 4. Now, their conference record is not good. They they went 10 and 1 in uh, um, non-conference play, and their one loss came to St. Mary's on a buzzer beater. They really could have been. 11-0 11-0 and 0 going into conference play, but they're 2-3. and three. They've started out a little rocky in the Sun Belt. That being said, amazing. Like, this has blown our expectations out of the water for them to be, you know, have a, have a 750 winning percentage and look good doing it. Now, the turnovers are a problem, and there are some other little things that, that have come up, but Asia Blunt looks like the player that she was built to be. She looks incredible. The freshman that we were expecting almost nothing from have come out of nowhere and are amazing. You know, Angie Justine is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Aaron Freeman, you've got the Juco transfer and Blair Schultz, Tyra Brown. Like, they're all so, so good when we were expecting basically nothing, you know. And that's not to say that they were bad players, but that's just where we were with this team coming into the season. So, I mean, we'll start there. What are your takeaways from what has been already an, an amazing season so far? Man, like you said, we knew absolutely nothing about any of these girls except Asia and Deja. And Deja's really had a disappointing season compared to what we were expecting. We didn't really watch much last year. But other than that, I mean, Angie Justine, all the freshmen, Blair Schultz, the Camp Sisters, the team has played, and you want to talk about depth, that team is deep. Yes, Our men might not very. have the deep team, but the women, they they could run 11-12 deep, and it's not even an issue. The starting lineup, it usually, it sometimes changes around. It's pretty much the same, but those girls don't play more than 27, 28 minutes a game. They're fresh all game. Like you said, the turnovers really need to be cleaned up. But if we're 12-4 and four with all these turnovers, let the girls get a little older, these freshmen, and, right. man, we're going to be pretty unstoppable if we can take care of the ball. Yeah, and, I mean, to build off your point of, of the minutes thing, Asia's at 29. <laughs> your next leader is, is Blair Schultz at 26. Everyone else is is at 21 or less. See, that was me just eyeballing, not even looking yeah. at the minutes. That's how I, I didn't even look. That's, that's incredible. That's everybody is, is 21 or less. And, wow. and to go through the roster, the amount of, of girls that are averaging 14 minutes or more is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 girls are averaging at least 14 minutes a game. And there's one, Deja is actually at 13. 
Really? So you're mm-hmm. 10 deep every game. Yep. You're rolling out two different groups of five. And then you've got some ladies on the bench that can really play, that can bring some things you know, in the future. You've got Benny Lundu, who's only played in five games, but she's going to be good. Savannah Dews has looked good coming off the bench when she gets in there. You know, Kalea Bugs. Kalea Bugs, yeah. Like all these things. You know, and, and Braley Simmons, again, limited play time. She's only played in five games. Those five games, she looked good. She looked like she had a lot of promise. So it's, it's a team full of athletes and a team full of – Surprises, And I don't want that to sound like a bad thing, but it really is a team that has come out of nowhere and done amazing things and completely unexpected. I told you guys earlier in the, in the year, last year, I said we're big Blair Schultz fans on the show. And listen, they're just, they're just ballers. They're just ballers. She's out there doing her thing. We all knew Asia Blunt was going to go out here, and we all knew she was going to do her thing. She's probably in line to get uh, some belt player of the year. Yeah, uh, or, close to it. or yeah. close to it. I would be shocked if she didn't get Sunbelt Player of the Year because she let just because of the way that they've come bounced back from last year, only winning two games and coming back and now ten games over from what they did last year, you gotta at least put her in the conversation for that. But this team is bought in. I mean, they've bought into what Coach Williams has brought to them and they are they are clicking on all cylinders right now. Yes, we've had a couple of hiccups with some close games. But I think that eventually going down to finish up the season, I think that these they're going to eventually win some of these close games. And that's going to be pivotal, too, going into uh, the Sunbelt tournament for them as well. Because I think that with this roster and the way that everybody's playing for Coach Jada, they have a good shot. I really believe they can make it to the, to the championship game. And who knows, if they win, we're talking about this will be the first time ever, I believe, we've ever made it in the women's uh, yeah. basketball to the tournament. We have a good shot of going to the tournament. Well, I think you have a good shot of just making it as a wild card at this point, as, as one of the, you know, at-large bids. Um, got playoff football in the mind, so went wild card there. Um, but, <laughs> but one of the at-large bids to, to get in there. And, you know, the, the other thing that's happened lately, you've had your, t- your last two games canceled. You got mm. blown out by Arkansas State in Arkansas, which was a bit disappointing. You lost that game by 21. But now you have almost two weeks of just training camp. You're getting a mid-season training camp in here. That's insane. No, Most teams aren't getting anywhere close to that. And so you've got to take advantage of these two weeks and build off of what you started and help get rid of those turnovers, get rid of those things. You, you finally come back and play a game – January 26th. Your last one was was January 15th. Wow. Wow. So you've got a long time to get better. Now you have to go to Appalachian State, which is less than ideal. And then you play Appalachian State at home on Saturday, so they're doing kind of the same thing the men did. But I mean, it's still it's really exciting to get this team in here and get it up and running and and get these two weeks, almost two weeks to just get your women back on track, get them back to where, you know, they can keep growing and keep improving. I wanted to mention uh, uh, Jada Williams should be, in my opinion, considered for Coach of the Year. Now, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think the national media gives a shit enough about Conway, South no. Carolina. Sunbelt, no. Yeah, but Sunbelt Coach of the Year, absolutely. Yes. She should have that on lockdown. What she's done with this team is incredible. Um, I think Don Staley's always going to win coach of the year just because of her name and, and what she does and that's not to discredit what she does what she's done up in up the street in Columbia is, is super impressive 
but I really think Jada Williams' name should be in that conversation um, in terms of coach of the year. Yeah, and quick back on the roster standpoint, uh, the front court, obviously we have two absolute rocks, uh, Asia Blunt and Janine Camp. Asia's averaging 18 and 9, and Janine Camp is averaging 7 and 6. But I really want to talk about the backcourt. I mean, you got five, six competent guards. Tyra Brown's an absolute sharpshooter. Blair Schultz is a great point guard that can score the ball as well. She's got a good mid-range. Angie Jean is second on scoring in the team, and she only started playing probably seven, eight games ago. She's averaging yeah, really? 9.4 as a true freshman. She's absolutely incredible. I, I did not see any of this coming. She's shooting 39% from three, leading the team. And then Jordan Newsom is somebody that I'm very high on as well. Her ability to make plays and attack the basket is probably the best on the team in attacking the basket. The third-team preseason all-sunbelt player is averaging four points a game, and you're 12-4. and four. I feel like that's pretty good. So we have six, seven deep guards. Yeah. Front court's really those two girls, but the guards have been phenomenal. Yeah, you've got the camp sisters, and you've got Blunt is really your only that's option pretty much in, it. In, in the front court. But, like, you know, that's not to say that that's a bad thing because they've all been playing well. Janae Camp has been a little bit disappointing. I mean, she started all 16. She's six boards. 21, yeah, 21 points a minute, but you're not getting a ton out of her. Uh, Janine has been a real surprise, only 14 and a half minutes, but you're you're getting seven points out of her. You're getting 6.1 boards. Like, you're getting a lot of blocks out of her. I mean, she is tops in <laughs> – this is the most insane stat of the women's. Hmm. Janine Camp, I'll let you guys guess. How many blocks, just total blocks, do you think she has? On the season? On the um, season. Mm. 39. Close. I'm going to say 45. 32. Wow. So you guys are a little bit okay. over. Right. You know who's in second place? Asia Blunt with five. Wow. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's 32 blocks in all of – 14 minutes a game you know she, she's played 232 two minutes this season so she's 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 doing incredible things down there you know it's it's essentially two it's exactly two a game yeah so that's that's really useful on the defensive end so you bring up the defense and i'm pretty sure we're what 13th in the country in scoring defense per game mm-hmm. and another stat we're Top 10 in rebounds per game in the entire country. And we're number five in offensive rebounds a game. In the entire country, almost 17 offensive rebounds a game. That is probably the biggest stat that stands out to me. And it's camp. It's Schultz is getting four boards a game. I'm sorry, just Gene is. So those are off- those are probably offensive rebounds. Most of them, yeah. And then you have Janine and Janae. They've been crashing the boards. And we wouldn't be – Half as good as we are if we're not getting that many offensive rebounds no. for second chance second, points. Second chance yeah. points are very critical when it comes to so. to to the game, and they're they're doing a really good job of getting second chance points and stuff. So I think I really think guys, we need to start packing our bags and getting ready to go to make an NCAA tournament. I mean, I, I, I really think, think so too. I think we might as well start packing because. We got a shot. I just all I can say, we got a shot. I think we do too. And 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 the last thing I want to point out here. You know, this team has some some really good players on it. You've got some really good things that are going for it now. This team is super, super exciting for the future, for the next three, four years. You know, if you can keep these these young women here and keep them, 
excited about playing for Coastal Carolina, this team can go a lot of different places. It can go crazy. You, you could have a run here where Coastal Carolina is the worst team in the Sun Belt. To the next four, they're the best team. And, and constant tourney bids and winning the Sun Belt tournament and all these things. It's, it's really, really exciting. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. But I think that about wraps it up for uh, tonight. We've uh, got some exciting things planned in the near future. Look out for, um, you know, those on social media. We're going to start a couple new shows. So you guys have been used to the Shant Show itself. And now the Shant Show is going to be its sh- a show continuously. Um, it's not going to go anywhere, but on social media will become known as the Shant Show Network. And under that umbrella, we're going to be starting some new shows. We're going to be bringing on some new hosts and some new personalities. And we're not quite yet ready to announce when those shows are starting or what they are exactly. But we're real excited about them and, and getting to get some, some more people on here. But with that, I'll go ahead and sign us off for Josh and Jordan. My name is Curtis. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon. Sean's up. Hey, so this is Editing Curtis checking in here, uh, giving you a heads up about what's to come. Uh, right after I'm done talking, you're going to get to hear the officially released song Livid by One Red Fox. Uh, he's a buddy of mine. He's a buddy of the, the rest of the guys on the podcast. Uh, we love him and we love his work. So uh, I'm going to put the whole song here. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, there were a couple that had bits and pieces of this song. It's now been officially mastered and officially released. So we couldn't be uh, more excited for him. So uh, check him out on Spotify and on Instagram. Uh, You're going to love what he has to come. But thanks again for listening. And here is One Red Fox with Livid. Uh. Motherfucker, I'm high Yeah, Fox And I'm the only one with the shit you need to fix it Now we strike one, I'ma send the next to distance I promise to live long as you don't forget me I will give it all for my siblings and my kidneys My circle been closed since 2016 Uh, ah, motherfucker, I'm living I'ma send the next distance. I promise to live long after you don't forget me. That was strike one. I'ma send the next distance. The circle been closed since 2000. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, yeah, live it. Uh, you know I'm living. Uh, circle been closed since. Hey, tell them. Living to dig a couple ditches. 
Promise to live long as you don't. Hey, uh, I will give it all for my. Uh, my circle been closed since when? Uh, that again? Uh, uh, motherfucker, I'm living. Hey, uh, the lie. It's the time to say bye-bye.